2: Hello and welcome to What Load of Cobblers, the debrief, during the fight on Wigan Athletic 2, Northampton Town 3. First off, I'm joined by Wallach regular, Martin Maloney, fresh from Veterans Football. How did you get on today, Martin? A very low scoring, a 1-0
3: win, and you don't get many 1-0s in in Veterans Football. I, I was hoping after my cricket injury to maybe get 10-15 like minutes off the bench, you see how my knee was doing, I ended up playing 75 minutes up front, and um, eh. Had a great time. Really enjoyed it. Got the assist on the goal as well. Had one over the line where the ref was like out of position, where ref just couldn't see it. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I get, I've won a season, man. You know, I'd have really done with that.
2: <laughs> a win's a win, Martin,
3: as we absolutely, with absolutely. Yeah, It was a we'll six-pointer against the other worst team in our league. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a big one.
2: We'll <laughs> take it. We'll take it. Um, Next up, we've got a local democracy journalist and... Centre back for the Cobblers fan team, it's James Avril. How you doing, James? You okay?
1: Not too bad, Tom. Yourself?
2: Yeah, yeah. Quite happy after yesterday's result, I guess. Um, how are the fans team getting on?
1: Well, we we did play yesterday. We played away at Cambridge. Um, yeah. We uh, played at Ely City's ground, which was a nice little ground, actually. Um, we lost three one yesterday. Uh, it was a bit bit unfortunate. We took the lead, then uh, a penalty. Um, a bit of a scrappy. Uh, own goal uh, that came off yours truly for the second <laughs> and uh, it's, it's definitely not in my top five own goals I scored one from the halfway line once this one just kind of hit me on the knee and went in so um, uh, yeah and then uh, a third absolute screamer from the Cambridge forward which was his hundredth goal and it was absolutely torrential rain at the time and he did like a an entire mudslide down the down the pitch, which we, we couldn't begrudge him that. It was a hell of a strike. So, um, but yeah, it, it's always good. It's always good fun, even if um, even if you don't come out the right side of the result.
2: Is fantasy team football competitive, or is it more just a bit of a laugh between sort of? Fellow
1: well, fans. It, it's strange to say that because I, I I think it's become more competitive in the last couple of years. It always used to be quite a, a good laugh. There, there was some yeah. there was some nasty tackles yesterday. There was one on me that uh, was probably the worst challenge I've ever had on me. But um, yeah. it, normally normally Cambridge are a, a good, good set of lads, but it was a little bit niggly yesterday. But um, it, certainly last couple of years, I think it's got a little bit more competitive. So I guess if you just
2: get sort of twenty two lads on a football pitch, it's always going to be competitive no matter what. <laughs> There's a reason yeah. behind it. Um, let's move on to uh, Brendan Walsh, who's a cobbler's merchandise collector extraordinaire. He's got some good <laughs> stuff, good, good, good old kits in his in his locker, and he's a record industry insider as well. Um, what do you reckon? It's easier managing the cobbler's or Lewis Capaldi, Brendan?
4: <laughs> um, probably managing the cobbler's, to be honest.
2: <laughs>
4: uh, yeah, it, it sounds easier to me.
2: Not many, probably rock and roll egos in the Cobbers dressing room, you know. Now John Joe Tool's left.
4: <laughs> uh, I, do you know what? I, I've I've had a chance to meet John Joe. I bumped into him at a gig not long ago um, yeah. with uh, with another Cobbers supporting friend of mine who works in music, and and um, yeah, we had a chat with him, and he he's into some really cool music. So we said, you know, we've got season tickets, but if you can like sort our away tickets, we'll sort you guest list to the gigs you want to go to. And we we went to one or two gigs, and down here in London. Obviously, you know, not Friday nights, keeping them fresh for the games. Uh, yeah. And it was it was just amazing to, like, you know, have a pint with him and, and have a chat with him. It, it was around about the time Cole first came in as well. So he was giving us all the kind of inside information on that appointment and what the dressing room was feeling about it. But it was, it was a shame when he left, obviously. I, I text him every now and then when I see the Burton score. But, um, yeah, he, he was a good lad. And he's about the only one in the squad, I think, that listens to anywhere near decent music. The rest of them have got horrendous music taste. So...
2: Yeah, I should imagine his uh, his choice for the the music in the dressing room would be a bit different from most. So yeah,
4: yeah. He's a bit, he'll, big he'll big <laughs>
2: But yeah, it's good to have you on board. We'll have a little chat about music a little bit later on and, and football if that interplays at all. Um, last but not least, we've got Alan from Wigan Athletic podcast The Pie at night. How's it going, Alan? Um, you uh, um, you had just a bit worried late on.
0: Yeah, I think uh, two goals is probably our max at the minute. It's not uh, not easy going.
2: No, but I thought. Um, you played with great spirit, I thought, though. Even even when you were behind, you were still going for it. So it could have been a lot worse, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. second half, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I think a uh, game of two halves is the uh, old cliche, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. We can move it's on definitely to that now,
3: our new cobbler's cliche, I think, before we dive into the game. Yeah, most of our games can be split down the middle, either first half or second half. One of them will be good, one of them will be awful.
2: Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, so, Martin, sort of you expand on that a little bit. Like, do you think it was just a game of two halves and that's the way Northampton play? Or was it a, a real um, unprofessional second half like some people have, have pointed to?
3: Um, I, in terms of, of it being about the way we play, I don't think any team can set... You can't set up to say, right, we'll we'll give it everything for one of the halves. We don't know which half it'll be. Um, but there is the fragility about us that... Um, that makes it nervy as hell. I mean, it's one of those games it would have been wonderful to have been at because you'd have gone through all of the emotions of the kind of, you know, I mean, I, I texted the group um like 10 minutes for I was like, what the hell? We're favourites to win a game away. What's what's going on? And then obviously we're gonna have got a very, very young side out. And and I thought we were very first half, I thought Cobb was very professional. We know the I know we said it on this before we know there are teams we're probably not going to have a chance of beating, and in a sense, you can punt something like um, Portsmouth away because the, ga- the games that matter are going to be a- against teams it- that are going to likely finish in the bottom half. So I thought first half I was I was really impressed. I thought they did well. Second half though, it's again it, it just feels like we. I'm sure people don't consciously sit back. But there does seem to be something in our in our team, in our squad, that says we, where another team might have gone on and won that 4 0, we don't seem to have that. I don't know whether it's self belief or it's confidence. I, I sure as hell, you know, and some people be quite simplistic on the on the internet, it's not tactics. Keith Curley isn't saying, tell you what, just sit back and let them throw things at us.
2: Yeah, that's true. Um, James, are you sort of a glass half full sort of person? And think a win's a win, just forget about the performance, no one's going to remember it in like a couple of games' time? Or do you think there's slight cause of concern in the way we we um, uh, melted away a little bit in the second half?
1: Yeah, I think that the glass is pretty much just half, and then I can't decide whether it's for empty because there, there, there are certain aspects that I was really pleased with um, yeah. yesterday in terms of the attacking first half. I thought we looked good going forward we played a bit more direct than we have in the last couple of games, but there was a purpose to it. Harry Smith, I th- had thought had a good first half where he was winning headers, but also there were people, you know he was finding them with them, people were running in behind. Um, uh, we we took chances. Uh, well, in the first half, I thought Sammy Hoskins was it was a good finish, really good kind of anticipation. For that second goal even though the defending left a, a lot to be desired for that second goal i have to say but good anticipation from him stuck it stuck it away well the cause for concern i guess is that we still managed to concede two goals um in in a game where frankly you know we, we could have put it to bed in the first half if if, if you know what i mean um and then I thought I thought this could be the game where we get the first clean sheet and then it was a really just daft challenge from Michael Harriman. No need to make the challenge that he did to concede the penalty. And it gave, we're going to root back into the game. And from then on, they, they were the, the better side and really kind of uh, showed a level to their game that they hadn't shown in the first half. But it was more frustrating that we gave them a route back into the game needlessly. And also that at the moment, we have to score three goals to win a game.
2: Yeah, I tend to agree with most of that, Brendan. You you seem to be a, a quite an optimistic Cobblers fan, from what you post online. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that um, we should be looking a bit more optimistically about that result, or do you are, are you a bit like James, just thinking, well, there are a few few indicators there that we're gonna have, we might struggle struggle in the games to come?
4: Yeah, I uh, I think it's so to I can count three times now we've let teams into a game and given them a foothold, you know, something to believe in off, off penalties. You know, Swindon. Was was a really good first half, and then even in the second half, really hadn't done much. That was a game where I do I do think we consciously sat back a little bit more because they had the ball so much, and then the wrong side of a man, you know, penalty, and th- and then they've got something, and and we know from all of last season. I don't think it's tactical, I don't think it's cold because it's never happened at any of his other teams, but as soon as that creeps into a squad's mentality, two nil leads, and and how many we lost last year, like five or six. You know, I think it's it's just stupid individual errors like that. I don't think it's... that. That's the only thing I'm trying to be optimistic about is, is that stuff can't really carry on. If it does, then you get relegated. But yesterday, Harriman, who's normally really sharp and clean and neat around the box, just, again, on the wrong side of a man, really stupid tackle. And it gave a team that, up to that point, hadn't really done too much to, th- to threaten the goal. It was mostly long shots and stuff. You know, it gives them something... It gives them a carrot in front of him, do you know what I mean? And I just think... That's what we can't do. We can't allow uh, teams into games like that. Charlton and Portsmouth as well. You, we're holding them off, holding teams that we're expecting to, to to lose to. But we're, you know, we're in the game, and it's stupid, really easily avoidable individual errors. Um, sadly, it's always, you know, someone like Bolger, or, you know, yesterday it was Harriman, and these are players that didn't make those mistakes last year, and and that's what needs to to change, in my opinion. I don't think it's tactics or. Even personnel, I just think they kind of need to switch on or maybe we need the bounce of the ball and a little bit of luck, which we got yesterday. So, you know, maybe that's the catalyst for change and we can kick on from there. We, we, it was a bit squeaky bum time, but those wins are a bit sweeter and maybe they give the, the squad a bit of confidence to to go on and kick on from there.
2: Sure. I think Harriman's performance was actually quite indicative of the, the game of two half things or the contrast, because... He made the mistake to give away the penalty, but also he won. He was one that intercepted for Hoskins's goal, and it was yep. really live to the ball. Fit, you know, Hoskins was also live to the ball. It was a good goal in the end, but there, So there was a mistake and also a, like success. So it probably shows that contrast. Um, Alan, from the Wigan perspective, you let's face it, you went into that game with a hell of a lot of injuries, and I was speaking to Weir's cousin, and he was saying that uh, basically you had a lot of players out of position. Is that right? Yesterday? Um,
0: yeah, we had a lot of. Younger, well, not necessarily younger players, so we had you know, there's sort of like 21 22 year olds come in, yeah. But the players that haven't had a lot of experience, and mm. um, so whilst we've had a successful youth setup, they've not been getting first team opportunities at all. And um, so they've come in to replace players, but then, yeah, two or three of them being asked to play a position. So the, the lad who started at right back he's uh, a wide midfielder, winger. Type player mm-hmm. usually. We had a right back play playing at centre yeah. half. Um, I, I'm I'm not convinced yet from the games I've seen play that both of the young lads that we've got playing you played holding midfielders, but, but holding midfielders yesterday, are uh, ideally suited to doing that. If if young lads are ever suited, you know, having, having a pair of twenty year olds playing holding midfield is is yeah going to leave you to um, naivety and nothing else. I think and. Um, I think that, that came, all those things came in, certainly in the, the first two goals, I think. Um, you know, yeah. players being caught slightly out of position, you know, the be centralised of being too far apart and that, that type of thing. Um, it's going to cost you, I think, having A, inexperienced players, but yeah, out of position as well.
3: I'd, I'd never thought of this, Alan, but you make a really good point there about young holding midfielders know well, I was the old joke the that the, no one grows up wanting to be Gary Neville. <laughs> I'm almost thinking no holding midfielder ever seems to be less than about twenty-eight. <laughs> no it's almost like midfielder.
0: no one starts there. It's just you end up there. Yeah. Well it takes a certain amount of intelligence, doesn't it? You know, you, you look at all the best players who played there over the years, through to you know the three or four lads who played there for Barcelona when they were at the heights, and and they're all really good readers of the game. They have to be, um, and no matter how many youth team games you play, to be thrown into senior football and be asked to read a game and run a game from there, it's, it's a big job. It's almost like it's not.
3: It's you know, there's loads of things in football that could be talent, could be physical that you can you can work on as a youngster, but it's it's sort of experience, isn't it? You you just yeah, I don't, it's it's interesting. It's a concept I've never thought of before, but when you've described that, it's just I set think, me thinking.
0: Yeah, I think it, it sort of like nails our current position quite well as uh, that you know we've got a lot of young players in the side or a lot of yeah. inexperienced players in the side. And um, when we've got the ball we look really good. I mean you saw that, you know, any number of times in the second half yesterday, where in you know, the second half we had a lot more possession than we had in the first half. And we look good because they can pass the ball to each other. They can all run into spaces and find space. And, and they're good that way. But when you ask them to play without the ball, you start making mistakes. They're, they're not as savvy as, as those experienced players that they're playing against.
2: That's a really good point because in the first half, Northampton, I keep an eye on the possession because previously we haven't been very good with possession. But in the first half, we, we add up to about 65% possession at points. And then if you look at the end of the game, we only ended up with 47%. That shows you how it tilted in the second half, and when you had more possession, your younger players were much more happy with ball to ball feet and trying to carve open uh, chances from our defence. So that was quite an interesting one. Let's let's go through the goals quickly. Um, the first goal for Northampton um, was a quick ball from Adams, uh, Smith with the knockdown. Uh, Rose found a bit of room and had a bit of a scuff shot. But it. It trickled in. I think it's an own goal, personally, from either of the two Wigan defenders. What do you reckon, Martin? Do you reckon it's an own goal, or do you reckon it's yeah, a claim? it? Yeah,
3: was def- definitely definitely an OG, an OG for me on the on the first viewing. As I know we have had a conversation via arm, the first viewing, that's an OG, and nothing, nothing will change my mind. It's great from Smith to get to get the knockdown, and you know, it's you're putting people in danger, and then great of Rose to get something on it. But the decisive touch was off the defender.
0: Mm.
4: I, I want think... to give it to Rose purely for my prediction table team. So I, I think I went any time, <laughs> scorer, Rose. I can't see the touch off the defender. I, at first, I thought, you see Rose kind of run away and he's pointing to himself because Watson, I think, was trying to claim it. So, I, I I mean, I'm biased, but I want to give it to Rose. <laughs> you, it just, ne-
3: yeah. you never point at yourself if it's certain you scored it, though, do you? <laughs> <laughs> That's,
2: That's true. That was- I think going back to what um, James said about Smith was, as well, he was well positioned there and he got one of his headers actually back into play or to the right person mm-hmm. so that was actually a, a bonus from him and he was actually very strong I thought Harry Smith. Uh, Smith's, a
4: play, Smith's a player that and like everyone, every Cobblers fan has an opinion of at the moment and it, and it feels overwhelmingly negative um, but he, i've never seen some a player like him who's such a confidence character like the, the difference yeah. between him and verdane oliver who's who's obviously he's trying to fill his boots and verdane was fantastic at the end of last season doing the job that we asked him to do harry smith doesn't have that like nastiness that that like edge that thedane does and if verdane lost a header or it bounced off him or or he, he won the header and it went someone else he didn't even react to it it was almost like morton in his his engine as, as soon as his feet were back on the ground he's running after it smith like whether he does good or bad, he throws his arms in the air, he, lay, he lays down, he sulks, Like he goes off. So, too nice. Yeah, so getting that kind of... and he, he, When he's having a bad day, a bad game, he, he gets worse and worse and worse because he goes in on himself. He stops challenging, he, he's yeah. throwing his arms in there. And yesterday, he won a, a couple of headers really early on. A little, a little bit like when he played really well against Cardiff in the Carabao Cup, um, when he took that penalty. And, and you see him... He, he, gets up for it and it's so frustrating because in in the first 15 minutes of the game you're like it's going to be great today and then other days you're like you might as well take him off now and I thought yesterday he worked really hard that's another reason I want to give it to Rose because then I think Smith gets the assist that way.
2: Let's go on to the second goal and probably Alan won't want to talk about this too much because it was a bit of a horror show from Wigan's perspective. Um, Second Cobbler's goal. I don't know what the goalie was thinking inviting that pressure. He seemed to sort sort of take out towards the right of the out uh, of the, the penalty box and then he decided to do a diagonal ball out of defence which we talked about before Harriman intercepted and then uh Hoskins showed good ant- anticipation and touch to move in and with
0: a good finish. Now Alan what would you what was that goalie thinking for you guys? I, I think he's he, trying to trying to start off with possession isn't it, it it's the surprising difference between League One now and, and the last time we were here is yeah. how many how many People, teams you see taking short goal kicks all the time, and trying to trying to play with some element of possession before they bang it up front to to the inevitable big man. And I think it was as simple as that. I think he looked up, saw a pass to Pierce, the left back, mm. um, and and tried to lob it to him. By which time Pierce had turned around and started jogging up the field. So mm. you know, when you're giving your your lad. Credit for intercepting it, which you know is probably due, but he didn't really have much um, pressure in terms of being able to pick that ball up because our, our lad was wasn't even looking, I don't think. So.
4: I don't think his header that it, it was obviously a fantastic header for the assist. but I don't think he means it. You get, the, and if he did, it's probably one of the assists of the season. You know, I think, I actually think he's trying to nod it down inside to Smith, and it just balloons up off his head, and it's good anticipation <laughs> from Hoskin to get in and apply the finisher once. So. Yeah, it was a bit uh, tough goal to concede. Yeah, the
0: the bigger the bigger um, problem the, for me. I mean, Jones is he's one of these keepers that's sort of like he's he's a fairly fairly solid keeper, but he's prone to making mistakes and he always gets caught out from his mistakes. But it's what happens after that for me with how spread our centre halves are. Any anybody an Under nine's team could have run through that gap in in the middle of the defence. Yeah, and scored, for that, scored that second goal and that's. It's those, those things that were even more than individual mistakes to a certain extent. Mm. But
2: credit to Hoskins, though, for the, 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 the decent finish and the anticipation. James, you were saying last week you thought actually Hoskins is better through the middle, didn't you? And he, he might have reinforced that sort of belief, do you reckon, James?
1: 100%. I mean, if you think back to kind of Sam's trajectory as a cobbler's platter, I guess, obviously the title season under Chris Wilder, he was kind of almost like a second choice striker wasn't he um but you know played up front and and did score a few goals that year the next year under kind of rob page he had a real purple patch of form where he's basically uh, because i remember i was reporting for the herald and post at the time i was pretty much giving him man of the match six or seven games in a row for a a spell he had where he was basically an attacking center midfield and he was running at players from kind of midfield and you know it, it any, it doesn't matter the level, any defender will be terrified of pace, and Sam has that. And I, since then, I've been utterly convinced that that is his best position. Um, it, certainly, either that attacking midfield or as a central striker, I don't think playing out on the wing suits his game at all, because he's got the pace, but his kind of crossing delivery probably isn't good enough to be a wide player. But certainly, I think his best position is in behind those kind of strikers centrally running at defenders. Um, And we saw yesterday with the goal, there was excellent anticipation because he's not near that, that the penalty area when Harriman wins that header. But if you look, you can just see kind of like on on the video, such a real kind of exhilarating burst of pace to get in there and then, you know, took the chance with a plum. So I a hundred percent think Sam's best position is is through the middle. Um, And I'll, I'll believe that until... You know, his last day as a cobbler really. <laughs> it just needs
2: that chance from the manager and for him to have that belief to put him through the, through the middle. But I always say he vents pressure so well coming from a wing back position or whatever that you can see why Keith Carl likes that because sometimes we're we're not doing you know we're, we're under the cosh and he will just will just through a sheer pace we will carry the ball a fair distance. So it's a bit of a quandary for Carl that one. um I guess that's sort of, sort of a a good sort of symbolism of, of Cobbler's movement of the pitch in the first half is really good. And then we went into the second half. I'm struggling to see how we had sort of a Jekyll and Hyde performance from first to second. Um, Alan, do you reckon... Why do you reckon Wigan played so much better in the second half? Do you reckon it was a rocket up the arse from the manager or they just just a bit more cohesive with possession?
0: Well, I think it probably changed. The, the real change in how we played came after the second goal, I think, in that the, we... As said earlier, we had a, uh, a right back playing centre half, um, and the manager made the change. He brought a young, another young centre half on, which isn't ideal again having having two young centre halves playing. Um, but it sort of like reset the balance of the defence a little bit. And I think that gave us a, a bit more of a foothold for the sort of like latter stages of the the second half. Uh, you know, we were controlling our front line a bit better, um, and then. It was it was a case of building from there. I don't I don't know what John Sheridan's like as, as a person. So it could have been a rocket up the RC. It could have just been more a case of you know. I think it's difficult because I don't want to be critical given our current situation. But I think there's a few games recently where we've looked undercooked, underprepared, um, starting the game off as if we don't really know what to expect.
4: Mm. Do you um, think that's the off-the-field stuff? Do you think the players are... Do you think it really has an effect on the field? Because sometimes you see teams... I mean, even when we were close to administration in the title season, it, and it doesn't affect it, but I, I always feel with Wigan that they're always looking over their shoulder and, and they're, they're playing a bit scared and afraid.
0: I think it might even be more simpler than that, in that, you know, you've got, you've got we're a team that's used to... A club that's used to having a relatively large backroom staff. Mm. And, and the people perhaps that might have been the doing the scouting and things like that just aren't there at the minute because we've had to strip them back we've, we have to strip costs back so it could very well be that you know we are underprepared because we've not got people watching watching teams and it takes us 20 minutes half an hour to actually work out what yeah. we need to do and how we need to play a game um, so i don't i don't know it's it's something where you know if, if we were playing like this over a prolonged period in a normal season, I'd be more worried about it than I am now, because I think once we get past where we are, mm. there'll inevitably be changes about how the clubs run, what facilities and resources are available to us, and hopefully we'll just be better prepared. I think you know, the, the two things that are most symptomatic for this season for me, watching them are that under-preparedness mentally tactically and probably physically as well so you know tom mentioned the injuries before It's mm-hmm. you know when, when you're restricted to a 23-man squad the last thing you want is any injuries let alone injuries to what are probably uh, four of your better five players mm. sure and, and that, that's where we are now and you wonder yeah. whether that is because of you know are they doing are they able to do all the training that a professional football club would be yeah, I
2: guess also there's also with our previous results, especially against Swindon, where we almost capitulated in that one from a strong position. It wouldn't take a lot for an opposition manager, manager just to say, look, these guys aren't a 90 minute side. If you just keep, you go at them and you can get one goal, you're back in this one. And that sort of happened with Wigan's first goal via uh, the penalty. Um, Martin, do you think that was poor defending from Harriman? Because he's just, he's. Stood off him, and then he decided to commit, and he got turned inside out, and he tripped uh, Tom Pearce in the end. Do you think that was poor defending? Mine,
3: poor decision making. I think um, yeah. you, you you get done, and you know you have a split second to make the decision. I think he's made the wrong one. You let once he's in the area, you let the guy let the guy go. Don't don't dive in. It was an easy decision for the referee, and I just think you know Harriman, who I think has been you know over the last couple of years, a really really good player he would probably put it down to that as well. It's just, split the chances of nicking the ball versus giving a penalty away versus, you know, it's not like the guy is clean through. There's, you know, he's going to a crowded area. You know, we're 2-0 up. Didn't didn't need to to make that challenge. I'm sure if he had his time again, he's not making that challenge and we take our chances with the guy having a shot. True. Um,
2: Joe Garner, scored the penalty pretty confidently, I thought. I thought he led the line for Wigan pretty, pretty well. So give Wigan a little bit of a route back into the game. And a lot of our fans, the knives were sharpening at that point. <laughs> and we, we weren't really that confident. But then Cobblers got a third after that uh, via Caleb Chukwemeka, the young striker who's attracted interest allegedly from Aston Villa and Club Bruges. He... Showed good positioning, and he he scored the goal. It was a scuff shot, no doubt about it. But it went in, and it was just good positioning for him. And it just feels like we were let off the ropes a little bit then, Alan. What do you reckon? Do you reckon that was that was just sort of the killer goal, I guess, wasn't it?
0: I think so. Yeah, I think um, I I jokingly said at half on on Twitter that you know yeah, had three two all written all over it, and and I think that once that went in, then three two was you know, the best result we're probably gonna get out of it. Um so it was a good goal, but again it was symptomatic of naivety from us. Our, our um pace was in your half, I think. Um, and, and that left a hole down the, the right hand side for you that you capitalised on.
4: So. it was a really good um, advantage from the ref, but I like Yeah. I like that that was when when we were because we all know, on the whole, we were pretty lucky to get promoted last year. I don't, I don't know if the season had finished, if some of our form at the end would have carried us in, into the playoff spots. But when we were playing our best at the back end of that season, our tempo was great when, when we beat Cheltenham in, uh, Cheltenham in the in the playoffs. And that that thinking to be like, we've got an overlap, we've got a man in, put the ball down and play again. You know, I really like that. And we've not been like that, you know, at the beginning of the season. We've not had that confidence and that kind of ruthless edge. You know, always looking to score it would have been really easy to slow the game down from there and take 10 minutes to take a free kick and everything so i was that was like my favorite goal of of all three i think that was you know there was no it was not great defending but it was actually good play from us rather than just capitalizing on a mistake
2: yeah, 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 definitely. I'm okay. showing that dynamism we've perhaps lacked a little bit in going forwards in recent games. I really like Caleb Triplameka, and I know that's saying nothing considering if, the, if that alleged interest from Villa is true, that he's been highly scouted. But for me, I'm just thinking this guy needs to start starting soon, because he's got he's got power, he's got a little bit of finesse, and if we want to keep him, because there's there's still no news about his signing a proper pro for contract for Cobblers. I think this guy needs to be starting um, and not just having to make an impact from the bench. I don't know. What do you reckon about that, um, James? What do you reckon?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. There's, there's a real talent there. I mean, he's been a name that, you know, if you read kind of like the youth team reports and that he's consistently been scoring in that youth team. And I always get frustrated with the fact that we seem to have a lot of players who score... Lots of goals in in the youth teams, and then they never get a proper chance with us in the first team. Like, really, yeah. you think last last youth team striker we have a proper chance to? You'd probably argue is Ivan Tony. Um, you know, we had the likes of Joe uh, Itchofano uh, and and that who you never quite know whether they could have made it or not because I don't feel like we're giving you a proper go. It feels like we're giving Caleb a proper go. So I think you've got to give the manager credit for that. But I would certainly, I think he's demonstrating enough in his performances to show that there is a real talent there. Like you say, he's got so many attributes. He's big, he's strong, he's quick. He can head the ball, he can hold it. He's he's got everything in his locker, I think. Mm. And if he can just start, um, you know, adding more goals to his game, uh, but that's only going to come... If he gets more minutes and I think yeah I, I'd be inclined to see him starting a few and and also it, it's kind of an, an investment in an asset I guess you know I think realistically if he continues you know uh improving uh, in the way he's done he's not going to be a cobbler's player for long frankly there's going to be bigger teams that, that want him but if we you know um can you know get him playing more getting more goals you know I, I don't know how these things work now with Tribunals or whatever—I uh, don't know whether we'll get a, a, a certain amount because was a youth youth player, or whether he, it's if he doesn't sign the contract, that's it. I, I don't quite know the, the rules now, but um, I, I think if if he, you know, if he, if we can give him more minutes, he might be more inclined to to sign that contract with us. I, I don't know what the situation there is, but yes, yeah, certainly I think he's got enough raw ability um, to justify starting him at the moment.
4: Carl did say in an interview, didn't he? It wasn't a case of he's not. Uh, been offered a contract, or he's or he's refusing to sign it. It was because of when his uh, youth contract, so basically it's up at the end of the year, and yeah. and I think it's kind of they've said to him. It was another thing I mentioned in the interviews right at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of preseason. He sent him back down to train with the kids because he'd moved up, wasn't impressive in him in training, and um, apparently him, his dad and his agent went in went in to see Curl when he he said exactly what he thought of of Caleb. Um, and, and weirdly, that was when these these rumours of, of Aston Villa, I'm still convinced it was the agent kind of touting the name up to go and join his brother in the Aston Villa Academy. Um, and then and then he put, he put his head down, he works really hard, and he made it into a few matchday squads, and he's taken his chance from there, clearly. But I, I think, you know, we always get so excited about an academy product. We, we don't get too many, and it's a local boy and everything. I think like, I, I'm happy with where he is at the moment, coming off the bench. and an impact. And I think if we put too much pressure on him too soon and he doesn't turn out to be what we want, then, you know, I I, I just, I don't want to put the whole world on his back just yet. I'm, I'm really, this the kind of player he is, he's quick and strong and he works better coming off the bench, in my opinion, and kind of soften them up and do what he did yesterday, get into a good position and take his chance.
2: The, the proof of the pudding will be where he is next season, because yeah. if there is any truth to Club Bruges or Villa if he was out at loan at Kettering, which he was a couple of months ago and ends up signing for Club Rouge or Villa, you've got to say there's a massive discrepancy between those, those two levels of ability and you, you'll ask questions. Um, but, you know, he was in a Daily Mail report saying he'd been linked to Aston Villa. I'm not a fan of Daily Mail per se as a paper, but there are, you know, some of their journalists are pretty sharp in terms of their football knowledge. So I wouldn't sort of discourage the truth of it too much, but like, like I said, where he is next season. If he signs for a really good club and he hasn't even signed a pro, ever signed a pro contract for Northampton, that'll be a bit of a disaster. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, let's move on to Wigan's second goal, which had us all, you know, having heart palpitations, which was a Tom James header. It was a thumping header. Good old fashioned header from him. I think it was a Tom Pierce Cross. Uh it looked like there's two cobbler's players on him, but he still managed to power home that header, um, Martin. What, what would you say to the defender on that one? Um, I think, you know,
3: we concede we so, so so many goals currently that, you know, <laughs> you, you've got to say it can't always be that the other team are really good and do things right. Equally, sometimes it is a great header, you know, a great header. Um, you know, you probably put, put your hands up to the, the first one's avoidable, second one, yeah, well, I think that's a that's good player maybe, that is the sort of goal you can expect to concede. It's the ones where we've made poor decisions before that are made the ones I worry about. So, yeah, hats off on that one. Um, that was a, a, a great header, and thank heavens they hit the post a bit later rather than put it in.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a good point. You know, you really are picking holes in, in defenders in, in your defence if you're questioning who should be picking up the uh, opposition right back in open play versus <laughs> the box. <laughs> And I have no idea what he, what he, how he got in there, what he was doing, but I can understand why he didn't get picked up because you just wouldn't really expect that to happen. It's, um, a, it's uh, a great
1: cross in as well. You know, yeah. them, them kind of balls are really difficult to defend because if you know, even if the defender wins it, there's a chance it's put in with such pace. Even if you, you know, even if the defender gets something on it, there's a risk it could go in, you know, in, into your own net. Um, so that, that, yeah, that that was a well worked goal. I thought a good, good cross and good header in. Um, but I mean, you know, I think, I think Brendan alluded to earlier with the, the three penalties that we've given away this year. You, you don't mind so much when you concede goals like that. Where we need to kind of improve is making those daft decisions. Yeah. And, and and the worrying thing for me, actually, is that it's experienced players that are making those decisions. You know, was it Bolger, I think, gave away a really needless penalty away at Bristol Rovers, Missaloo against... Um, Swindon and, and now mm. Harriman and this and you know that that's that's down to individual errors there's not much mm. you can do about that so uh, you know that's that you know that's the, the key to us addressing that defensive issue at the moment players have that their games worry. up individually
4: that's been my worry is is, is errors because you know tactically you can tweak things you can you can drop midfielders back you can change things but like you said, Cole can't, can't be out there playing the game for them. And he was a top centre-back himself. He, has a, he He's always had a good eye for centre-backs. People keep uh, you know complaining that he hasn't replaced the defenders uh, that we sold or, or let go at the end of last season. He was the one that found them in the first place. So he knows what he's looking for in his centre-backs. Mm. He really likes what he's got. I know, obviously, he's brought Sheehan in and doesn't seem to fancy Ratchet. Sheehan has brought a level of composure to the back three in, those, in these first two games. So I do like that. But those, those silly errors, like, they... That will cost us that will that will relegate us if we don't get rid of it now and all of last season the best defense we had we knew we could pick all three of them on the team sheet they were the first names down and yeah the, the chopping and changing i i think isn't isn't helping and we need some consistency in there but they're not goals that that you said we would have conceded last year i don't know how many times i've watched we've conceded from it three times but Teams must see it now. You go back post on our corners, long over everyone's head, and there's yeah. a nod back. Charlton did it to us three times in one match. Ryan Innes knit, yeah. uh, set up the one goal from it, and then it nearly happened again, like, straight afterwards. It, it's it's like headers and basic errors like that. That's not Curl's defence, you know. We've got the worst defence in the league now, 20 goals conceded, and it needs to stop ASAP. You know, Milton Keynes are, are down the bottom with us, but... They they attack well and concede a lot, and I, I'm, yep. I'm my hope on Tuesday is that we do another three two four three because I can't see us keeping a, a first clean sheet on Tuesday if we continue to make mistakes like that.
2: Yeah, that's a very good point. I've been looking at Milton Keynes actually. They, I think they've got the. You know, I'm a bit of a possession nerd, but they're. I think they're up there about sixty percent possession, the highest possession in League One, even though they're fairly down the league. I think they're just one position below us. So yeah. it'd be interesting how we can try and uh boss the ball a little bit and try and squeeze out these these mistakes because tuesday's going to be a, a big game um i think we're gonna have played little kings already so we can batch out about that in a bit but um late on we, we, we have to talk about it kyle joseph for wigan cut at the post my heart was in my mouth watching this <laughs> <laughs> it was i said cobblers should be sponsored by Sudacrem. the amount of time it's squeaky bun time for northampton but <laughs> this was a this was a you Know he's only a young lad in the Alan Carl Joseph, and he you know yeah. he could have won, could have got that equaliser from the that was
0: his, uh, Yeah, he was uh, playing number 17s last season. Um, yeah, I certainly that's the first time I've seen him. Um, and it's always quite exciting to see somebody you know striker make his debut, and the first thing he does is uh, run 30 yards to make a foul, which uh, was <laughs> to but yeah, he, he um. He, he, he looked a bit lively, and that moment was was one yeah. um, a for us. But it, you know, just just what millimeters the other side, and it would have probably gone in off the post. Yeah. And yeah, he, just just from that 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 one moment, he, he looked quite a prospect. I know he scored goals at huge youth, youth team level, but yeah. um, he, he looked to have energy, and and that turn was. Uh, Definitely uh, a, a piece of skill that we're not used to seeing this
4: season. I was more worried about the uh, obviously it came off the post and I and for a second I thought your striker was on it. I have no idea how we didn't then tap that in. Yeah. And then yeah. and then when uh, I think it was Harriman or and, and and your lad ended up on the floor, so that's another penalty. That was a bit. I was I was more scared. about, yeah. 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 I, Honestly, you know, but we need those little bits bits of luck to to go our way if we're if we're going to go up the table. So. Yeah, that, that for me was was when I knew we were going to win that game.
2: Yeah, definitely. And um, we put it to the NQ and TFC tw- Twitter people. Was it a game of you know uh, of two halves? Uh, you know, or is it a, uh, a win? A win's a win, just take the win. And most people said a win's a win. And I think we have to accept that. that Certain games, like I said, you're going to forget about them in a couple of games' time. Take, take the points. Obviously, if it continues with us just not coming out to play for the second half, it, you know, there's going to be trouble for Cole, inevitably, unfortunately. But for that game, I think we just accept that Wigan aren't a bad side at all, even with their massive injuries. I still think they play football the right way, and we came back with a three points. So, um I think going into Tuesday's game with Milton Keynes, Martin. Do you reckon it's given us a little bit of confidence to? They're not—they're not our local rivals at all. They're just—it's just you know we just pity Milton Keynes, don't worry. But it's a bit of a local grudge match. Let's call it that. Do you reckon we can go into that Milton Keynes game with with confidence, or are you, are you still sort of on this offence about how how we're going to do? It—it it only adds
3: to it that I'm working down there now. I—I um, um, I think in a sense, in the sense that we know what we are, we're we're vulnerable about, and you know, it's been put more eloquently than than I have. Um, I think especially about Brendan we know our weaknesses but equally we know we've got some good stuff in our locker at the other end so mm. I think almost you know there'll be work on those weaknesses we know we can score goals true so I think you know there's a degree of confidence that says if we're at our best we'll score more goals than them obviously we've got to work on fixing the kind of concede two goals every game thing because you know, unless you're superstars, or like our 2015-16 season, you're not going to average you know three goals a game. No, no, and the best you know in, in competitive leagues, the best clubs in the world don't do that. So yeah, I think that will be going in with a bit of confidence, a bit of belief, um, and we'll see what we do. You know, I, I for, for not just for football local reasons. You know, no team I want to beat bet more than them because of their um the nature of what they are. Mm. Um, but I would, I would love it to be, you know, a, a win down there. And um, then suddenly that's, you know, while we're fixing the things that are clearly broken, if we've turned, you know, six points from the Wigan game and the MK game, suddenly things look a lot more, you know, it doesn't mean your problems have gone away, but that you can't, those points don't get taken away from you. That, stu- that stuff's in the bank.
2: Yeah, that's true. Um, James, have you followed... Milton Keynes at all this year, this season, how they're getting on and if, if they're beatable?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I worked at the MK newspapers for quite a while, so I, I know a fair bit about the Dons. I know um, Toby Locke, who's the MK Dons reporter over there. Mm-hmm. certainly looks like it's uh, entertaining, being <laughs> an MK Dons fan. So kind of similar, you know, uh, lots of goals at, at both ends, really. But um, I re- realistically, looking at it, we're, we're going to be judged... Uh, This season on the results we get against teams who are going to be, you know, uh, in in, in the bottom half. I think someone mentioned that earlier. So these are the games that we need to target winning, particularly at home uh, to to a team that's below us in the table. And there's not many at the moment. So, you know, we absolutely have to, you know, look at getting three points for for this game. And uh, yeah, I mean, we did have on on paper a tough start to the season Um, on paper. Now we have an easier run of games. So I think it's good that we've got that, um, kind of easier run, so to speak, um, off to a winning start. And if we can get another, um, you know, three points on, on Tuesday, suddenly, you know, the, the is starting to look a lot healthier. So we've, we've certainly got to look at getting three points, um, and hopefully that's what we'll do because um, yeah, I, there's no team I enjoy being um, <laughs> more other than Peterborough than, than MK Bonds. <laughs> fingers fingers
2: crossed on that one. Um, Brendan, let's sort of go back to Wigan quickly and sort of turn it on its head. Mm-hmm. Do you, did you see anything in that Wigan side yesterday? Uh, you know that gives you know Wigan fans hope that they can climb out of this sort of relegation battle. And bearing in mind they've got a, a Spanish takeover pending, I mm. think there is there were signs for me that they can play a little bit of football, Alan this disagrees probably, but I think there is some um, little bits of talent in there. And if they bolster, uh, you know, in January, they, I reckon they could, they've got a good chance of staying up. What about you?
4: Yeah, I, I, of course. I think a team like Wigan, the setup and, and the history they've had even recent history, you're yeah. always in, in it with a chance. And, and, and like I mentioned right at the beginning, you know, sometimes through adversity, teams can come out of it really positively, like our 15, 16 champions season, you know, and, um, there's there's loads of evidence that I think it's just so turbulent at the moment you know and, and like you said there's, an, there's a pending takeover it's all a little bit up in the air I think once it starts to settle down and they can focus and and just get on with the game you know yeah there, there was definitely signs there how depleted and and you know um, pieced together that side was to take us to 3-2 is 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 um you know not a mean feat and I said to yeah. my mate before the game I was like you know, it, all this stuff online about how depleted the Wigan squad was and it was going to be a walkover. And I was like, that's what Shrewsbury would have said when we went to them second, third game of the season and we had 11 first-team players injured and they mm. lost. Like A lot of the time, you know, you put all that pressure in and, and it forms diamonds. And a lot of those players and young players um, will will benefit from this first-team football. And if they make a few astute signings and, and, and find some form and get, a, a, you know, rubber the green by all means. I, I, I personally, I don't think they'll be in the relegation zone come the end of the season.
2: Let's wrap up now because we've been talking for a long time, but it's been really interesting and thanks to Alan for coming on and just giving us an insight into Wigan and hopefully, you know, they're back at the league and we are as well soon enough. But thanks guys and uh, we'll speak again soon. Brilliant. Thanks. Cheers, everybody. Great, Cheers. great Cheers, guys. Take it easy. Have a good afternoon.
1: Cheers. Cheers. See you later. Thanks. See you later. Good luck for the season. Thank you. Yeah, yeah good luck. luck.